Speaking of King's family, Shalom, you may be seated. Thank you, worship team. What a great night of worship so far. We're going to continue to engage with the Lord in uh, several different ways, but it is great to be back. So welcome those that are in the house tonight. So happy you could be with us. Welcome all of you watching online tonight as well. King's Community Live, Facebook Live, those watching live on YouTube and other platforms. Welcome to Jerusalem. There's over 33 countries watching right now. That's the text I just got. So welcome, especially a special guest tonight watching online, uh, Pastor Nazarena from one of the King of Kings related congregations in Sicily. So Pastor Nazarena, thank you for watching tonight. Glad to have you. And uh, listen, I am very happy to be here because I almost wasn't. So if anybody didn't know, where's Pastor Chad been? Pastor Chad's been trying to get back in the country. That's where I've been. And if you know anything about Israel, we've got some really strong parts of our country. We are really good at some things. We are good at military, border control. We are good at preventative health care and technology. We are not great at paperwork. We'll get there, but we're not great at that yet. And... So my whole family had permission to fly except my son. So I don't know what you would have done, but we chose not to leave him. He's 12 years old. We thought it would be good to bring him. He's supposed to do bar mitzvah later this year. So I thought it was important to bring him with us. And uh, Israel just, you know, they they did their thing. And uh, they, they actually took our bags, checked them, put stickers on them, put them behind the counter before they told us we couldn't fly. Because the regulation had changed while we were standing in line. I said, what? Oh, yeah, sir, the regulations changed today from Israel. I showed him like five different websites. No, you're wrong. It doesn't say. Ben-Gurion doesn't say. The consulate doesn't say. The MOI doesn't say. Yes, but it just changed. We just got a phone call. Hello, we just got a phone call. No, we can't fly. Okay, they can't fly. I said, what is this form I need to fill out? Well, you have to go to the consulate in New York. Where was I? I was in New Jersey, United States. If you're watching from New Jersey, we love you. Thank you for hosting me for a couple of weeks. I wasn't supposed to be in New Jersey. I was just having a layover in New Jersey when they stopped me. So then I had to drive into New York City. So I you know, went to the consulate office. We waited all day. We finally uh, got the instruction we needed. I saw... Some tall buildings, I saw some sports arenas, I saw two muggings, you know, whatever. Things you see in New York City. And it took over two weeks of waiting, and then Israel finally let us come home on our third attempt. I spent several weeks at a very distant cousin's house. So distant, I had never heard of them. Second cousin once removed. I didn't even know what that meant. I had to look that up on Google. She was so sweet. Miss Emily, if you are watching, thank you so much for hosting our family. 83 years old. We slept in, our, in her basement. She had one bed. So we were a pretty big family for one bed. So most of us uh, slept on blow-up toys that you put in the pool. You blow them up in the pool. We slept on those. So you can imagine when I got back into town just a few days ago, I was very excited to sleep in a bed with my wife. And after a few hours, even though I was very grateful, she said, sweetie, get up. You got to go. You're snoring too loud. I can't sleep. (laughs) 
I said, hey, I'm grateful for the small things. I got a few hours in the bed before I had to go to the couch. Still better than the blow-up toy. So thank you for your prayers, everyone who helped push that through. I sure appreciate it. And we're so happy to be here. There's a series we're going to start tonight called The Least of These. And I believe the Lord had put this on my heart even a few weeks ago, but now was the right time to release it. And before I do that, why don't you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. It will be the main text for the entire series, Matthew 25. Everything will branch off of this one. And as you're turning there, can I just remind you that we are commemorating a special day today here in Israel. It is Tisha B'Av. If you don't know what that is or what that means, it's the ninth day of the month of Av. It is a day historically that has been tough for the Jewish people. In 586 before the Lord, the first temple was destroyed on this day. And in 70 AD after the Lord, the second temple was destroyed on the same day. And in 136 after the Lord, Herodian, one of the Roman emperors declared that he was building a pagan temple in Jerusalem to replace the Jewish temple on this day. Pattern is starting to emerge. On this same day, England announced the expulsion of all the Jews. On the same day, Spain announced and signed the expulsion of all the Jews. And that's just a short list of a very long list of things that have happened to our people on this day. So we now commemorate this day and we remember God's faithfulness. That's what we're doing today. We remember his faithfulness. And there's a tradition in our people that comes from the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 21, when Job found out all of the tragedies happened to his family. His kids and wife and cattle and everything was taken. He said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And thus it started a pattern, a tradition, if you will, in our people that glorify God even in times of tragedy. Traditionally today we would say the Kaddish, it is a prayer it's, it's magnified and glorified with the name of the Lord according to his will. It goes on to talk about how great he is and to be praised. And it's important that we sing and say these kind of things even on days like today. Or maybe I should say especially on days like today. So there will be some fasting. You say, is this an appointed time of the Lord? No, it's not a commanded day of the Lord, but it is a very important day for our people. And it glorifies God, which is usually my measuring stick. You know, when I, when I choose as a father to my family, when I choose to celebrate or not celebrate a holiday that is not commanded by the Lord, you know, they got the commanded ones and we're all into those. And then there's a whole bunch of other holidays we could celebrate and you have to make a choice. And one of the things I do when I make a choice on those holidays is I say, what is the origin of that and does it glorify God? If it does, great, let's glorify God. And I think today is one of those days. It glorifies God if we see it from the right perspective and we honor his name through the tragedy. 
So join us in that commemoration today. Keep in mind also, if you don't already get the King of Kings newsletter, make sure you go on the webpage, sign up for that, because, because regulations are changing today, if you didn't know that. Tonight, new regulations are being put out about everything corona-related. I mean, you know, I get back in the country, and, and all I can hear is, is, is Delta. Here, here they call it Indian, Indian variant or something like that. I also noticed that we changed the green pass to a happy pass. Tried a little marketing there. They probably talked to a marketing firm. People, people rejected the green pass. Let's call it something else. They'll, they'll, they'll accept it. Let's call it the, the happy pass. Let's call it the birthday pass or the, the sweet candy pass. Maybe they'll go for it. Listen, I'm so happy you're in the house tonight. Those of you watching online, come back soon, as soon as you're comfortable. But I was remembering today before service how many nations around the world that can't worship right now at all. And I was very grateful to be here tonight. And if the corona thing is the only barrier for me getting back into the house of the Lord compared to other nations and the barriers that they have, I'm happy to be back in the house of the Lord. Delta or no delta, gamma, lambda, I don't know. Apparently corona has a fraternity now. Thank you Americans that got that joke. Matthew 25. Let me start with the main reading. It's going to be several verses Starting verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all of the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, You who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. For I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do, For one of the least of these you did not do for me. And they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Sheeps and goats. Sheep on the right, goats on the left. Sheep are called righteous. The goats here on the left are called unrighteous. He looks to the sheep on the right and he says, 
You get your inheritance. I've been preparing this for a long time for you. You will live with me eternally. They said, why? It's because you are righteous. Now, it's interesting here that the Lord declares them righteous. They do not declare themselves righteous. That's the place you, always, you and I always want to be in. We don't want to declare ourselves righteous. We want the Lord to declare us righteous. And he goes on to explain why. Because they did all of these acts of kindness. Feed the hungry. Give drink to the thirsty. Invite in a stranger. Give clothes to the needy and the naked. Visit the sick. Visit those in prison. These are the deeds that they did. They didn't do these things to become righteous. They didn't do these things to gain love or to gain salvation. They did them because they love God. So they acted upon that love. And even though they did it to someone else, Yeshua said, when you do it to them, you're doing it to me. And he looked to the ones on the left, the goats, and he says, and every time you passed up that opportunity, you passed up an opportunity to love me. I gave you plenty of them, and you said no time and time again. So we have righteous sheep on the right doing acts of kindness. We have unrighteous goats on the left passing up opportunities to do acts of kindness. Did you notice in here that Yeshua is elevating a lot of different people. And I think that's really what this series is going to be about. It's going to be a pattern in the scriptures. And I will explain to you each week a different group that God elevates. And in this passage, he's elevating the poor, the needy, the stranger. He's elevating the person in prison even, the ones who are documented to have broken the law and have done wrong. He's elevating the prisoner. How dare him? They are obviously not the righteous people. They're in prison because they're not the righteous people. Don't tell that to the believers in China. They're in prison for being righteous people. And God elevates Everyone on this list. And then he goes a step further and he says, what did you do to the stranger? It's not enough just to feed the poor that you know. You have to also feed the poor you don't know. You don't just give clothes to the people you know. You give clothes to the people you don't know. We're blessed to get to do that at King of Kings with your help. And we always need more volunteers. If you've ever wanted to do that, right now I'm giving you that opportunity Every Monday and Wednesday, we feed the poor. We feed the ones we know. We feed the ones we don't know. Four times a week, we give clothes to the poor. The ones we know, the ones we don't know. You can be part of that. Visit in prison. We have some of our congregations that have a regular visit to prison just to talk to them and tell the people there about the love of God. But the elevation of the stranger It's not enough just to love and give to the people you know. It's a pattern in the scripture. Today it's the stranger. Tomorrow it's the person in prison. Next week it's women. Yeshua took a culture where women were devalued as property. And he said, that's not how I see them. 
So in his word, he reaches down and he takes the woman and he elevates the woman. That all of his followers could see that. And that's what he's doing here. He reached down, he took the stranger, and he elevated the stranger. And you say, why is he doing that? Because in God's kingdom, there's no levels. Look at me. I'm giving you a great hand gesture here. There's no levels. It's not like man here, woman here, child here, Jew here, Gentile here, friend here, stranger here. There's no levels. Everybody is on the same level. The Holy Spirit is the great leveler. And the reason he is is because he's given every one of us an inheritance. Every one of us is an heir with God and a co-heir with the Messiah. In these passages, did you even catch that when Yeshua said, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. He's calling the poor his brothers and sisters. He's calling the needy his brothers and sisters. He's calling those that are in prison his brothers and sisters. He's not separate from them. He's embracing them as his own. They are like me, he is saying. They are my family. Treat my family with loving kindness is the message here between the sheep and the goats. God elevates not only strangers and those in prison and those poor and those in need and not only women, he elevates children. He elevates life rather than death. He elevates the slave, the Gentile. You see what he does? He brings everyone to the same level as his children, as a co-heir and as a future ruler in his kingdom. That's for you. That's a message for you. So never let the enemy tell you that others should look down upon you. And at the same time, never let your pride tell you that you should look down on anyone else. Brothers and sisters in the kingdom, we are all elevated because of this. Now, back in the main text, I'm going to focus in on one verse. Matthew 25, verse 40. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. He's really talking about those that have need in really any area. It's interesting that, that Yeshua connects himself to them. I'm reminding you of, of your co-heirship and their co-heirship. You see, sometimes we can forget that the person who's poor and homeless and needy and without a job, we can forget that that is a co-heir with the Messiah. We can forget that the person in prison who gave their life to Yeshua at some point, he's sitting in prison, but that's a co-heir with the Messiah. The great leveler. Romans 8, 17 reminds us, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with the Messiah. If we indeed share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You say, well, why does he call the people in need the stranger the outcast, the abused, the one in prison, why does he call them brothers and sisters? Because he experienced it. 
He's saying they're my brothers and sisters because I don't know if we remember the story of Yeshua's life on earth, but he didn't have a home. Do you remember that? He didn't have a home. He had no place to lay his head, the Bible says. He was homeless by its very definition. So is it, is it a wonder to us that Yeshua, who walked homeless on this earth, loves the homeless? Is it any wonder that they walked around with no food for days and days? That's why he had to always do the miracles to make the food because they didn't have any food. If they had food, he wouldn't have had to do that. There wasn't a Rami Levy. He had, to, he had to make something because they didn't have any food. Can you imagine following Yeshua? Hey, Yeshua, what's on the agenda? Where are we staying tonight? Well, we'll stay out under the stars night after night. What are we eating? No, no, no. We don't, we don't carry food with us. We are both homeless and hungry all the time so that we can identify with people who are homeless and hungry all the time. You thought it was a picnic following Yeshua? My guess is that some of them wanted to, some of them started, but once they heard the rules and the way it it all played out, they were like, no, that's not for me. Outcast. You know why Yeshua loves outcasts? Because he was outcast. You know why Yeshua loves those in prison? Because he was falsely accused. He was falsely arrested. He was falsely beat. He understands the people in prison. That's why in the context of, quote, the least of these, he calls the least on the earth my brothers and sisters. He doesn't call them them. Them. Those people. It's not like Yeshua is having to muster up all of his, his godness and his compassion. Oh, I so don't want to go to these people and help them, but oh, I am God. I, I guess I need to. No. He's relating with them because he's been where they are on earth. And he's trying to teach his disciples to take that same perspective. Friends, God has a long-term plan in his mind. He doesn't get sidetracked with the short-term game. When Yeshua sees a poor and a needy person, someone hurting, somebody outcast, he doesn't look at their immediate circumstance as a judgment upon their character. Can I give you a key phrase tonight? Because God looks at the heart of people. Someone's current state of need and personal challenge is only a temporary presentation to God. It's a temporary presentation. That's tonight's sermon title, if you're looking online. It's a temporary presentation. You know why? Because he has a long-term game. He knows where they're headed. He knows that they end up as an heir with God, co-heir with the Messiah, son or daughter of the king, brothers and sisters with Yeshua, ruling and reigning, receiving their inheritance. He sees them in that light. The fact that they're homeless and hungry and out of a job and divorced and in prison and drug addicted today doesn't phase him. He's experienced all those things, all of that pain as well. He relates with them, but it doesn't phase him because it is a temporary presentation of who that person is. And the grace of God falls on them. Because he can see, he can see the future of their life. 
The heart of God is a great pattern. It's consistent. First Samuel chapter 16, God looking at the heart. You know, when he was, Samuel was told to go and anoint the next king of Israel, Samuel had to learn this same lesson that the disciples had to learn. First Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance. This is the older brother of David, the tall one, the handsome one, the, the very muscular one, the experienced one, the firstborn, the superstar. You know, I'm going to write a book one day. I'm going to put in that book all of my little one-liner quotes that the Lord has given me over the years. And one of them is going to be this. God is not looking for superstars. He's looking for servants. And when Samuel saw the superstar, he said, oh, that's got to be the guy. Yeah. Samuel started getting out that horn of oil. Oh, I know this one. I'll walk with God every day. I know this has got to be the guy. And the Lord had to stop him. Samuel, wait a second. Do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And when God looks down and he sees somebody in prison for their crimes, he bends down and he looks right at their heart. He says, what's in your heart? And when God sees somebody outcast from society, he says, what's in your heart? And a poor person, those in need, those hurting, those hungry, those homeless, those without jobs, those divorced, those beaten, the prostitutes, the drug addicted, All of that is is just in the way. It's a temporary presentation of who that person really is in God's eyes. And God sees right through it all. We have trouble not seeing through it, but he does not. It's a temporary presentation. We don't judge a book by its cover. You've heard that, but by its content. We don't judge someone by their status, but by the fruit of their life. We cannot know what's in a person's heart just by looking at how healthy they are. Right? You can't look at a sick person and you must have done something wrong. You see, that, that is a theology, by the way, that floats around in the body of Messiah that I just want to talk about for a moment. People are sick for lots of different reasons. Righteous people got corona. You know that? And not every sickness and disease comes upon someone because of sin. And Yeshua took this thought and he squished it in the new covenant with the blind man and his disciples. After he healed the blind man, the disciples said, who sinned that he would be blind? Him or his parents? And Yeshua said, yeah, ooh, I'm looking into the future, 2021, people are going to have this wrong thought, I better squish it. Right now, nobody sinned. He was not blind because of sin. Woo, that just messed up a whole bunch of books. So you never look at someone's health and immediately jump to a conclusion about their heart, because that's not what God does. Now, do we need to be good stewards? Absolutely. Do we need to take care of God's temple? Absolutely. Is there a sowing and reaping principle? Absolutely. All of that's true, but don't jump to a conclusion. See people how God sees them. 
And as we look at the life of Yeshua through the Bezalot, the, the Gospels, notice we don't see a wealthy socialite. You realize he could have presented himself like that. He could have just been, been the wealthy person. He could have just said, I'm the creator of all the universe. I can snap my fingers and feed 5, 10, 15,000 people. I can walk on water. I can disappear. He did that trick a couple of times. Walk through walls. He could pretty much do whatever he wanted. You're telling me he couldn't snap his fingers and have on some schnazzy clothes? If English is not your first language, go look that word up. Schnazzy. It means exactly what it sounds like. Super fancy. He could put on fancy clothes. He could have driven around in the sweetest chariot. No, he didn't, he didn't choose to be a wealthy socialite. He chose to be poor and somewhat homeless and somewhat without food, always traveling, outcast, ridiculed, lied against, falsely arrested and imprisoned so that he could relate with those people. Because it was those people whose heart was right. You ever wonder why Yeshua picks on the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the wealthy? Because their heart's not right. That doesn't mean you can't be wealthy and have a right heart. That's not what he's talking about. What he's meaning is many of those things tend to get in the way of the heart attitude before God. They're distractions. But the person who's been beat down, they're so honest before God, they just bear their heart and God sees it and he responds to it. The disciples had to learn that lesson. We have to learn the lesson as well. Not to be distracted by the temporary presentation that we see in this natural world, but rather to focus on the supernatural ways of God. Now, why do we find God elevating the lowly and the least? Because we're all created with the destiny to rule and reign with the Messiah, to receive our inheritance. You hear me preach that a lot, and I, I just always want to underscore that because it really is the big picture. It's the big picture. I never want us as a congregation to forget why we do what we do. It's because of the big picture. And your fullness of destiny is not only played out on this earth, it's played out in eternity. We need to have a long-term game like God does. Someone's destiny is not only defined on earth. That's why we don't look at this temporary presentation. Greater love has no one than this, John says in chapter 15, than to lay down his life for one's friend. You see, your life is it's not about you, it's not about me, it's not even why we were left here after salvation. We were left here after salvation so that we, we might love and serve others and present them with the same gospel message of Yeshua. Otherwise, get saved, go home. But we have a task, we have a job, we have a destiny. In the Modi'in group, we're studying the gifts of God right now, and we are reminding ourselves that the scripture is clear that the giftings are not even for us. They are for the edification of other people. They're for other people's encouragement. This is how much God thinks about the other person and the least of these because Yeshua experienced being the least of these as well. And to underscore that with our final verse tonight, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. 
Because I want you to think of why Yeshua loves the heart of people that are struggling. It's because he's experienced that part of life physically. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Yeshua, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us in our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Temptation came at him, ridicule, lies, imprisonment, hunger. We know he was hungry. It says multiple times he was hungry. He was thirsty. The Bible tells us he was thirsty on the cross. He's experienced that. But he bends down and he looks at the heart of every individual, of every one of us. And this sermon series came from a place where the Holy Spirit touched me not too long ago. He touched me because there was a musical I was able to attend. And the musical was really well done, and it was about the life of Yeshua. And after Yeshua gathered the disciples and he healed a bunch of people and he started to become famous, everybody wanted him to come preach and teach in the synagogues and, and read the parashah. And then the disciples certainly thought that they had a plan for him. And in this particular musical, they were in a boat and they were supposed to be headed toward the next town. And Yeshua told them to turn. He said, there's someone I need to visit. And the disciples asked him, who do you need to visit? We have a big crowd over here waiting for you. Thousands of people are waiting. We put out flyers. We've texted everybody. It's been on Twitter. Everybody knows you're, you're coming. Yeshua said, I need to go visit this one person. And the disciples said to him, why would you go visit this one person? There's so many people over here. He said, who are you going to visit? They wanted to, to grill Yeshua. I want to approve of who you want to visit, Yeshua. Who is it? He says, there's, there's this man in the gatherings I want to go speak to. The demon-possessed man. Outcast from society, homeless, naked, in chains. And one of the disciples said, no one wants to visit this guy. Why would you want to go visit him? Why would you choose him? And he looked at the disciple and he said, you forgot when you were the one that I turned off the path for and went after. You forgot when you were the one. I did this for you too. Don't get so high and mighty and learn so many scriptures and go to so many services and have so many podcasts on your phone that you get high and mighty and you forget when you were the one. Because there was a day not too long ago, he was telling the disciple, when you were the one in prison, when you were the one no one wanted, and you have forgotten when you were the one. Now, aren't you glad that I'm going to pause the agenda and go after this guy? And of course, the disciple weeps and he says, I forgot. And that was the catalyst of this sermon series, that we at King of Kings would never forget when we were the one. You know what? It wasn't that long ago. Maybe you had money. Maybe you didn't grow up poor. Maybe you didn't ever have a bad family life. But spiritually, you were still hungry and thirsty. Spiritually, you were still in prison. 
And aren't we glad that Yeshua will take the time to get off the expected path, make a detour, and come and visit us one at a time? Because salvation is an individual invitation. And he delivers that invitation one at a time. That's why we love the least of these. That's why we love the poor and the needy and the homeless and the imprisoned and the prostitute, the drug addicted. That's why. Because Yeshua related with them. He saw their heart. And the disciples had to learn that they had forgotten when they were the one. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you just remind us of these things. We're not heaping condemnation on anyone. But we want to remember tonight when we were the one. We want to go back to that moment when you brought us the invitation, when you showed us a new way, when you invited us to the kingdom and to the marriage supper. Father, we forgot that we were hungry. We've been eating so well, we forgot. We've been drinking so well, we forgot. We, we have so many friends in the community now, we forgot when we were the outcast. But you didn't. Let us turn that love around and love others in that same way. Let us see others through your eyes. We thank you that you identify with us in our time of need and pain. You call us brothers and sisters. You call us sons and daughters. You call us heirs and co-heirs. We thank you, Lord, that you elevate the least. Forgive us for looking down upon anyone when we should be considering their royal position in the kingdom of God. We should be considering that the outcasts are now honored. That the slaves are now rulers. That the rejected are now accepted and valued. And we love you because of this, God. Because you did it for us. We say thank you so much. Thank you for running after us. Thank you for making a turn. Thank you for ruling the universe and having a moment when you would turn and come after one person. We thank you that your, your love motivates you to run after us. Let us never forget that. We thank you in Yeshua's name.